This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Most of you, or all of you, should know where we're going. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some... uh, Let's go go up a couple of... No, no, 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. This is as Jesus was ascending. And some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Or the way we will talk, pastor-teachers. So tonight we're talking about pastor. The definition uh, um, of pastor that is listed in Ephesians 4, chapter 11, it's, it's a shepherd, a helper, God's helper. One that has the care of and feeds the flock. One, it, he, they're a herdsman, a minister of the gospel who has the charge over a local congregation whose duty is to watch over the people for their cho- of their for the cho- of their charge because see a pastor you know that you have up all these pop up people churches everywhere how can you pastor all those churches I, I don't understand that over your local congregation they are to guide and instruct them in righteousness through the doctrines of God's statutes and standards so. Just to get started, because the title of what we were doing this month is called Pastor's Appreciation, Understanding and Embracing the Gift of Pastor. You know, you, you have never, none of us have ever walked in a pastor's shoes. And I'm not going to get ahead of myself, because that's, that's going to come later. You've never walked in a pastor's shoes. So how can you judge a pastor if you've never walked in their shoes? So let's take a look at some of the duties of a, that a pastor fulfills. One of the first things is pastors must have the oversight. They must have the oversight because they have to answer to God, not to you. They have to answer to God. And if God's given them the charge over the congregation, they're going to have to answer to God. And I'd much rather, you know, do what God says than what you say because I'm going to have to answer to God. Amen? So pastors must have the, over, have the oversight by guiding and protecting the flock of God. They are vigilant, watchful, and a, a very alert over all the flocks and they are commit, that are, that's committed to their charge. That's why you, we used to say, you know, if you belong here, you can't leave. But if you don't belong here, you can't stay. That's because they only have charge over the people that God has placed here. They don't have charge over all those renegades and people that just want to come in and out and hear the word every now and then. We call them those visiting members. They really have no charge over those people because they haven't committed. They have charge over the people that, that, that accepted God's placing and are staying no matter what. No matter what, they're staying. So the second thing we're going to... that. Uh, the duty of a pastor is to feed the flock. They feed the flock by preaching to them the sincere word of God and ruling them according to such standards as the word of God 
specifies. And that should be across the board. No matter what pastor, every pastor should do this. They should teach according to God's standards. They shouldn't be making up their own. They shouldn't be adding their wives, their grandmas, their grandpa's standards, unless their standards were the standards of God. You don't just pull standards out of the, you know, well, we're going to do this. No, you, we, we want to be up under the standards of God because that's what God's going to honor. God's only going to honor His standards. So the next thing is they must be examples to the flock. And I think since September 1 of last year, we've heard about our example. Our example. I sample of our foundation pastor. And I promise you, his wife follows suit. Because you have to realize, all those years, pastor was in the sacrifice, Sister Hill was in the sacrifice with him. No better person, Sister Hill was in the sacrifice with him. Every step of the way. She, you know, she used to say, oh, y'all better be glad I'm not y'all pastor, but she was in the sacrifice with him. I believe I was thinking about that over this past month, that time when she tells that she wanted to leave. I'm going back to San Antonio. She couldn't. She wanted to, but she couldn't for such a time as this. Because if she had went to San Antonio, only God can say what would be happening now. But see, he found her faithful back then. Because she, he knew she would go through the sacrifice with him. Not all women would have gone through the sacrifice. They wouldn't have put up with our tails. They just wouldn't have. You know, I know, I, I know women that have left their husbands because their husbands were faithful and that's not what they wanted. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up because when she married him, he, didn't, he hadn't been called. I know a lot of women that married men that hadn't been called and when they accepted they called, they left because they're like, I didn't sign up for all of this. I'm not dealing with all them people. I'm not doing none of that. But she stayed. And God has found her faithful. Amen. We know that in an example, we're looking for types and patterns that walk after Christ. Pastor Y'all used to always say, you follow me as I follow Christ. You know, he tells the men that your family should follow you as you follow Christ. Amen. One of the things is, in, in, in an example, is we, they practice holiness. They practice self-denial. And they do the Christian duties, which they preach to the congregation. They don't preach one thing and do something else. That's not what pastors do. Pastors don't, you know what? I shouldn't see my pastor out at the club. I shouldn't be out at the club. But some of the young people that go to the club, don't buy, don't, don't, don't drop your head, don't say nothing. Some of you that go to the club, you shouldn't see nobody in this room at the club. And especially if they stand up here. If you do, you should call them, call their tails out loud. Hey, Minister Rivers, what you doing in the club? You should, because not in here. That shouldn't be named amongst one of us. I remember when my daughter was out there and she's like, Mom, I saw so-and-so and I saw so-and-so. You keep that to yourself. Don't you tell nobody else that. You keep that to yourself. But we, that, that's not the example that we want. Because there's no way you can tell us one thing and you're doing something else. The children are going to follow you. I'm not going to follow you. I'm just not. None of us are because we've been taught different. They are to lead by example showing forth mature Christian 
character. Mature Christian character. Your pastor shouldn't be throwing down with other members. Your pastor shouldn't be throwing down with other members. And I say that because I know people that, I know pastors, this ain't no hearsay, I know pastors that throw down with their members in the parking lot. That's not a mature pastor. That's not mature Christian behavior. That's just not. Y'all laughing, but I'm serious. <laughs> I know pastors that will throw down with their members in the parking lot after they get through preaching or before they get through preaching or while they preaching. It don't matter. It don't matter. The next thing is, uh, pastors should prepare the ministry to continue. They should prepare the ministry to continue. Our founding pastor prepared this ministry to continue. He put things into place. He put, he put people into place. He put things into place that would continue. No matter what happened, it would continue. You know, it just, it's just going to continue. Because that's what we've been taught to, to do over this last 30-some years. We've got to continue. That's the one thing, and I can say this without crying right now, that's the one thing that I have seen in our present pastor. You know what? September the 1st, she took a big blow. She took a big blow. But she came back fighting. She came back fighting. She didn't allow that blow to take her out. She came back fighting. I saw her walk in what she had been teaching all these years. I saw her walk in the fact that she said, she said that years ago. If my husband go before I do, I'm going to continue. And she's been a woman of her word. She has continued. And she's pulling us along. Because September the 1st, actually September the 1st of this year, I was still mad. But... Nevertheless, she pulled me out of that with her ministering, with her, you know, teaching. She pulled me out of that because if she can stand, and that was her husband, I can stand too. She showed me how to stand. So if you're watching anything, watch her stand. Watch her stand because she's been standing. Amen. So pastors, through preaching and teaching of the word of God, keep our focus on God, not our circumstances. Not our situation, not our bad children, not our children that are wayward or don't want to do right. That's not the purpose of a pastor. That's just not the purpose of the pastor, even though they do step in when need be for counseling, you know. You know but their, their, their thing is to keep your focus on God. That's the whole purpose of a pastor. It's your eternal life. Not your temporal life. Their concern is your is your is your eternal life, not your not your uh, your temporal life. Amen. So turn, if you will, to Second Corinthians chapter one. Some of y'all may get there before I do, but y'all know when I'm up here, I can't find scriptures. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse, we're going to start at verse 12. I'm going to read verse 24. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy. For by faith ye stand. It is only by faith you can stand. 
It is only by faith you can stand. I'm going to read this part to you. Not that we are, are not that we rule like dictators over your faith, but rather they work with you to increase your joy. For in your faith you stand firm. It is in your strong conviction that Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the Son of God, is through whom you will obtain eternal life. Like I said, they're concerned about your eternal life. Your temporal life is going to be rocky. That's just the way it is. So you might as well suck it up and look for eternity. As my friends say, suck it up, buttercup. They, you might as well suck it up and start pressing for eternity. Because you may not get what you want to get in, in this life. You just may not. I ain't got all the stuff I wanted to get. But I can't sit and whine and complain about that when I got to look for eternity. Because that's the one that really matters. That's the one that really matters. Amen. Pastors can only supply you with the word of God. It is up to you to hear it, to understand it, and obey it. Obey it by a, you obey it by applying it to your life. Then and only then will the change come to your life. Because see, I can get it and understand it. Somebody over here can get it and understand it. Somebody back there can get it and understand it. But until you get it and understand it, it's not going to change your life. It's just not. It's not you, you will not have any changes in your life until you get it and understand it. And you can't get it and understand it with hit and miss. Visiting, hit and miss. Coming to church, hit and miss. Coming to church, hit and miss. Especially this month because all this stuff is going together. You will see at the end, you'll be like, dang, they all talk pretty much the same thing. Even though we may have come from the different scriptures, it's really going to be about the same thing. Because I believe during Pastor's Appreciation Month, from, from what I'm seeing and from what I see, it's not really for the pastor. It's to get y'all in line. To get us in line. It really is. If you listen to what Minister Hastings said, I mean, seriously, those people that doubted God was leaders. They're some of the biggest doubters of God. I know one, one, one says he told me, you know, why are we so amazed when God do what he said he's going to do? Why we as his people are so amazed when God do what he said he's going to do? Just like Zachariah, why was he so amazed when the angel told him you're going to bear a child? I'm too old to have a baby. But it's not by your power. It's not by your might. It's by God. But how was, why was he so amazed? Why was he so amazed? Why are we so amazed when God do what he said he's going to do? So turn, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read uh, verse 18. Everybody there? But now had God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it had pleased him. God don't care if it pleased you to be here. He really doesn't. I mean, I've been here a long time, and it was many times I wanted to leave. But I couldn't. Because there was a tugging on me that wouldn't allow me to go. Even when, you know, things was going on, and I, even when I tried to move back to take care of my mom. My pastor told me, he said, God has prepared women to help you with your mom. You don't have to move back home. 
That's not where God wants you to be because I'd have been in all kinds of trouble up there in East Texas. I don't have no lie to tell. Ain't nothing up there but mess. I'd have been in all kinds of trouble. But he told me he told me that years before my mom even got sick. You know, and I'm trying to sell my house and rearrange stuff because I'm trying to do what I want to do. I need to go take care of my mom. And that was not, that's not what God had for me. Because, see, I wouldn't be standing here today if God had not placed me here. I know that of a certainty. You can think whatever you want. I know that of a certainty. I wouldn't be standing here today if God had not placed me in this ministry. Because I was what they call, I tell y'all this all the time, I was a suicidal, depressed person. And after I had my daughter, I wasn't going by myself. I wasn't going to leave her here for nobody. I was going to just take her with me. But I'm telling you, because of this ministry, I chose to live and not die. Because of the teaching of this ministry. So I can say of a certainty, if it hadn't been for this ministry, that woman there, and my, my family, I, I wouldn't be here today. I can say that. I really can't. I wouldn't be what I am today. I really wouldn't. I wouldn't be standing before you today. So, <clears throat> no of a certainty that God does the placing. But now, as things really are, God has placed and arranged the parts of the body, each one of them, just as he willed and saw fit with the best balance of or function. It's about God, y'all. It ain't about you. It's not about you. It's about God. God placed you here to function. He didn't place you here to sit on your behind. He placed you here to function, especially now. God placed you here to function. He could have placed you down at First Church Refrigerator, but he didn't. He placed you at Church of the Living Water because he knows you have something we have need of. Y'all remember when Sister Hill talked about joints, how they supply? You may be sitting here thinking you have nothing to offer. You're not here with nothing to offer. You can't be. God would have placed you somewhere else. You can't be here and not have nothing to offer. Believe me, you just need to go before the Lord. And actually, during this time of fasting, God should have showed you some things. I'm glad I was still fasting today because I would have threw that print out the door. I'm glad I was still fasting because during my period of fasting, one thing God has showed me, I'm calmer. I'm calmer. This lady pulled up beside me at work, and I guess I was a little over my line. You know, my head was, I was focused somewhere else. I had been listening to my music, trying to get through the traffic, and she just rolled down her window and started screaming at her, at me. The old Tammy. The old Tammy. Thank God I'm not the old Tammy. And thank God I was fasting. I just said, I just pulled out, pulled back in, said, thank you, Lord, for fasting. Because the old Tammy, yeah, yeah, the old Tammy would have told her something and showed her something and probably been in jail. Yeah. So thank God for fasting. I thank God for fasting, seriously. Because it showed me, and some of you, God told me, and I'm going to say it. Y'all know I'm going to say it. Some of you, God should have showed you about your eating habits during this fast. Because if you look at Michelle Obama's plate that she created, half of your plate shouldn't be meat. So if you remove that part that's meat, you still should have enough sustenance on that plate to eat and be okay. But if half or uh, two-thirds of your plate is meat, something wrong with your diet. 
For God should have shown some of you something wrong with your diet. If you were struggling finding stuff to eat, something wrong with your diet. It, seriously, something's wrong with your diet. And like I told you, four days in, you know, God dealt with me about, about, about my, about, about, uh, I want to thank the, the, whoever did the, the YouTube thing, uh, for Church of the Living Water. If y'all haven't been to it, you need to sign up and get the Church of the Living Water YouTube thing. Because it has been a blessing since God dealt with me because I couldn't look at it before then. But, but I have just been enjoying Genesis. I have been enjoying my pastor teaching of Genesis. I really have. It's truly been a blessing. So I thank the, the, both the media or whoever set that up. It has been a blessing in my life. So in Ephesians 4, it states that, uh, when, when he, when Jesus ascended, um, he, he left gifts and that one gift in particular is pastor. That's a gift, people. That's a gift. I'm really trying not to get ahead of myself, but I'm trying to get to the good part. So if God placed you where he was pleased, he gave you a gift called pastor after his heart. Not after what you wanted, after his heart. The gift of pastor is from God's heart to care for you. That, that's why they have to be selfless. That's why a good pastor has to be selfless. Because if a good pastor was only concerned about themselves, you wouldn't get nothing. There is no way. We would have been, it would have been chaotic in here on September the 1st, 2018. None of us would have known what to do because a selfish pastor wouldn't have put any of that stuff into place. We just wouldn't. Because it would have all been about him. So, I'm going to ask y'all, so what is it? Is it the placing? Is it the gift? Or is it the personality that's in the gift that you're having a problem with? You think about it. It can't be the placing. Because God placed you. Well, it could be. You may not be happy here. And I think Mr. Hayson told you on Sunday what to do if you're not happy here. Right? The placing. The gift. Or is it the personality that's standing in the gift? that you have a problem with. Because we all have different personalities. And I know I have a big one. I try to calm it down sometimes, but I have a big one. I talked to my friend, and I was like, look, some people have a problem with my personality. She said, but that's your personality. That's your personality. So if you have a problem with the placing, if you have a problem with the gift, if you have a problem with the personality that's standing in the gift, you still got a problem with God. Because God did all three. God did all three. She didn't pick this up on her own. God placed her there. That's Isaac. He's not picking this up on his own. He was born into this. Brother Isaac, they didn't pick this up on their own. It was all about God. So, like I said, if you have a problem with the place, I ain't bad my eye either. You have a problem with the gift that God gave? Or you have a problem with the personality of any of the ministers, any of the people that minister. If you have a problem with our personalities, you have a problem with God. Because I, I, I believe with my whole heart, every person that stands up here, even if they don't have the title of minister, they're apt to teach. And pastor put them in that place. They're apt to teach. As ministers, I believe all the ministers, the people that they are apt to teach. So if you have a problem with us, you have a problem with God. You have a problem with God. If you have a problem with our pastor, our present pastor, our future pastor, 
You have a problem with God. Amen? Y'all can stone me later. You got to know, you know what? I think we this was talked about last year, but that's been a year. You know how Christian people are. They want the now, the hot, the red. But we were taught then, the gift of pastor doesn't change. The gift is still the same. From day one, the gift is still the same. It's the personalities that change. You know, and God dealt with me about that. I've been on my job, whoo, Jesus, almost three, around a little over three and a half years. And this is the way God told me. He said, a lot of people have a problem with the one change I made. In 30 years, God made one change. On my job, in three years, I had six changes. I had a new supervisor every six months. He said, but y'all have a problem because I made one change in 30-some years. One change in 30-some years. And the thing about it, he didn't even bring an outsider in. He gave us people that we already knew, people that, we knew, people that you should know that loves and cares for your life. Sister Hill hadn't changed. She still loved and cared for your life. One change in 30-some years. How many of you have changed supervisors on your job? You have a problem with that? And I was like, okay, Lord, that one was for me. That one one was for me because I was having a problem with your one change. But that one was for me. But he said, but you change supervisors every six months. Wow, you really know what to tell me, don't you? But like I said, either way, your problem is with God. And the thing about it is, you know, when when Jesus left the gift, Jesus said, I only do what I hear my father say do. So Jesus didn't do anything he didn't hear hear from God. So he he was bagged all the way. He's like, I only do what I hear from my father. So let me give you a definition of understanding, because remember our title is Understanding and Embracing. So the, the definition for understanding is carries the idea of a, of a deeper appreciation of something or a relationship with someone. Embrace means to accept or support a belief, a theory, or change, or change willingly and enthusiastically. You got to support God's changes because they're going to happen whether you want them to or not. They're going to happen whether you want them to or not. And this change we're under for wall building, this, this is a, this, this is a, it's going to take everybody. It, I mean, it really is. Because the thing about it is, is everybody in here has a different personality. Sister Martin don't have the same personality her husband had. She don't. Chiquita don't have the same. Minister Stinson don't have the same personality I have. She don't. So we deal with different personalities. You deal with them on your job. You may say, I don't like them. But if you need something, you're going to go to, I don't like them. And get what you need, Right? I've had people on my job I didn't like. We had a DBA. I did not care for him at all. And he knew I didn't care for him. But when I had a DBA, when I had a database problem, he was the first one I went to because I knew he knew his stuff. So you do it on your job, 
But you want to do don't want you don't want to be and the one thing Mr. Martin been teaching on this and, and that's the one thing I was I was into Genesis when my pastor started talking about that is being kind. We have to be kind to one another. He said kindness is not the same as nice. You can put on that, that church facade and be nice to somebody. But it's that kindness that's gonna make the difference. Because he said I was into him and he said, Because see, Jesus was kind to us. That's what Minister Martin said when he was teaching about being kind. Jesus was kind to us. Any man that will lay his life down for you, I would think that would be kindness, don't you? Especially for your sin for tale, for my sin for tale, Jesus laid his life down that I could have eternal life. That's, that's being kind. That's the kind of kind God is talking about. He ain't talking about that fake facade, church people, you know, as soon as you get behind sister so-and-so back, I can't stand her. You know, that's not the type of, that's not the type of, that's nice. I'm going to be nice in your face, and then I'm going to bash you behind your back. That's nice. We're talking about being kind. Even if I don't like you, I can be kind to you. I can pray for you. You heard Minister Hayson say that on Sunday. You know what? I don't, I don't look at her. I pray for her. I pray for my sister. You know what? I promise you, if you have a problem with somebody in this church, start praying for them. The devil will leave you alone. And your flesh will too. Because every time your flesh starts acting, you know what, Sister Rivers just make me sick. Start praying for me. Anybody you have a problem with in this ministry, start praying for them. And watch. Well, I, 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 I promise you, your flesh and the devil will leave you alone about that person. You're like, dang, because every time I mess with them, they pray for them. I'm going to just leave them alone. They'll stop praying for them. But don't stop praying for them. So turn, if you will, to Numbers chapter 12. Let me get where I need to be. Amen. Numbers chapter 12. So this is the example I'm going to use tonight. I'm going to read it and then we're going to... Everybody find Numbers chapter 12? Except me. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So you know that must have been kind of important since they said it twice. They did not like that black woman. And they said, had the Lord indeed spoken only to, by Moses, had he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. And the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spoke, spoke, spake suddenly unto Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam. Come out ye three unto the, com- the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. Verse 5. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forth. So that means they had to step up. He called Moses out to be a witness. But Miriam and Aaron, they were in trouble. And verse 6, And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, if the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream, my servant Moses is not so. Who is faithful in all mine house? With him 
will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches, and in the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then, were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. I bet that scared Aaron. Uh, and Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee not to not the sin, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let this, let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received again. And Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. Amen? So let's look at this verse. Because you know, Moses was God's man. He, I mean, he couldn't speak at first. And he gave God all kind of reasons of why he couldn't do what God was telling him to do. But turn, if you will, to Exodus chapter 15. Real quick, let me lay some foundation, then we go. Okay, Exodus, where are you? Exodus, what I say? Y'all sleeping on me? Okay, I, I'm like Sister here. I call you by name. Or oh, hey, you. If I don't know your name. Exodus chapter 15. Because I done went through some stuff this week to get here. You better wake up. Verse 20. Exodus verse 20. And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a, a, a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dance. Miriam the prophetess. Turn to Micah, M-I-C-A-H, in case I said that wrong. That's not Malachi. That's that other M. Okay? See if I can find it. I have the hardest time finding scriptures when I'm up here. Y'all have found it? Micah uh, chapter 6? Right? Y'all found it? Somebody read it for me because I can't find it. Micah chapter 6 verse 4. Come on, somebody, help me out. Okay, so that's basically what I want you to see is that Miriam and Aaron were leaders. All the mess comes from the leaders. All the mess comes from the leaders. They are the most non-believer leaders that are supposed to know God. Miriam, her in the temple, that's after the Red Sea. They had come through on dry ground. Following Moses, not Miriam, following Moses. You dancing and jumping around as you're watching people get drowned in the sea. But here we go back here, and now you're talking about the person that led you out. Ain't that what we do? 
Well, help me, Jesus. Miriam, a prophetess, and Aaron, the high priest, both of them worked with Moses for the deliverance of Israel. They worked with, they worked, they knew their brother. Nobody know you better than your family. They knew Moses was meek. Miriam is mentioned before Aaron as being the chief instigator and leader of the rebellion. But her disease was a divine rebuke. Her disease was a divine rebuke. You know, I guess they thought that they were equal to Moses. That Moses had violated their rights as the prophetess and the high priest. They thought Moses had violated their rights. Yeah. Miriam and Aaron were striving to be greater than Moses. They become they became full of themselves. You know, and the funniest thing about this about this this part of this scripture is first of all, Moses wrote this. Second of all, um Moses wasn't paying them no attention. He wasn't. Moses was doing what God had told him to do. Feed his people. Take care of the people. That's what Moses was doing. You know, a lot of people like to compare themselves, compete. But you know what? A pastor, they don't have time for that. Not a good pastor. Actually, they ain't paying you no mind. They're not paying you no mind. You get your tail set down. Quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because, you know what? And most of the time, it's other leaders that see that and won't, 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 won't correct it. That won't happen here. That won't happen here. Somebody will correct you. Somebody, especially if you say it to, to one of the ministers or their wives or the people that teach you, you will get corrected quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because we're not going to have that rebellion in this place. We got too much work to do. We got too much work to do. So this is a sidebar for all your, all those followers. You know, from my opinion, I'm not God. Aaron should have been turned white too. So because this wasn't the first time Aaron had followed somebody. I mean, he, he did that with the golden calf, right? So rather than him entertaining this mess as a high priest, which tells me Miriam had him by the nose. This is his second time. You know what? The, the children of Israel convinced him to build a calf. So now Miriam's sitting here talking about Moses, and he ain't correcting her. I think the only reason God didn't do it because he was the high priest. But I'd have set his tail outside too. So that's just a sidebar for you followers. Don't be caught up in nobody else's mess. Don't be caught up in nobody else's mess. You better correct them. And if you ain't man enough or woman enough to correct them, you better say, we can't talk about that. At least. At least. Often the, the medium from criticism is simply a surface of something deeper. When you start criticizing somebody, it's, it's for something deeper. It's, it's just not the criticism. Because if you look at this, see how much time I got. 
Because, okay, I'm going to jump down to, to this part. Um, you know, it may be that Miriam was envious of the Ethiopian woman that Moses married. It may be that she thought her younger brother, like I said before, was trying to be more than she was. Because, you know, if you go to um, Exodus 2, you'll see what Miriam have hired her younger brother. Go read Exodus 2. She helped hide her younger brother. So now, I can help save your life. Now you think you better than me. You want to tell me what to do. And it wasn't even about that. Moses was doing what God had told him to do. Moses was doing what God had told him to do. So, go back over to Numbers. I should have told y'all to keep your fingers in Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. And he had married an Ethiopian woman. I love that. The one thing you need to remember though, in this place, in any place, God don't care about your issues. Not when it comes to ministry. He don't care that you have he don't care that you have an issue with the the placing, the gift, or the personality. God doesn't care because He's doing things to get His will done. He ain't trying to get your will done because you just want a new car, a new house, some cheering, a husband, a wife, all that kind of crap. God is looking for eternal. What's going to be the best for the entire congregation as well as those that are coming? As we start building walls, as we start, people start coming in, it's not about you. And some of you may have felt like, well, they paid me some attention when I first got here. But you should be a wall builder by now. You should, be, you should be picking up hip and build a wall. Be like Nehemiah. I had an uncle named Nehemiah. He always carried food in his pocket because <laughs> he used to be in the service. But ne- I love Nehemiah because Nehemiah said, I don't care what y'all say, what y'all do. I ain't coming off the wall. You can bring all them little thugs, all them little everybody up here telling me what I should do, what I shouldn't do. I'm going to do what God told me to do. God told us now, in, in this particular time, it's time for us to build some walls. The foundation has been set. It's time for us to build some walls. We're not coming off the wall for your tail. We're just not. So you need to get in and get a brick and start building a wall. Rather than sitting now, you know, wallowing in your pity party, you need better get a brick and help build a wall. You don't know how to masonry. Just throw some mud on it and say, looky here, I put it up there, but it's leaning. Can somebody come help me? But that, that's where we are. We're not coming out the wall to join in your pity parties. We're just not. We're just not. You better take it to the Lord in prayer. But you know what? This kind of stuff, that little criticism, that little, eh, I think Minister Hastings said it on, on Sunday. Things have changed. Things have changed. September the 1st, 2018, at whatever time, things change for all of us. And it will never be the same. It will never be the same. But things change in your life all the time. You get new neighbors. Like I said, you get new people on your job. Things change all the time. Go look in the mirror. You changed. 
I was like, dang, that last line wasn't there last year. But things change. You change. That's one thing we can expect in this life, and that's change. That's the one thing you can expect. It's change. Because it's going to happen. One way or the other, change is going to happen. It's going to happen. So don't allow God to, uh, these little things that creep in, um, cause things in your life to be judged and become leprous. Because you know what? Lepers were considered walking dead. You know, I went and looked up leprosy. And leprosy is a disease that takes time. It just don't come up on you like this did. Leprosy takes like 30, it's in the thing I read, it's like it takes years, anywhere from 20 to 40 years to really manifest itself where your body parts and stuff be falling off. It takes time. That's why once they got to that point, they called them the walking dead. So God made her a walking dead in a little of no time. Just because she talked about his man, his servant. You got to realize that, you know, the gift of pastor, that's God's servant. I don't care who's standing there. Whether you like the personality or not, that's God's servant. And who are you to judge God's servant? Because I'm sure you, you, you know, I'm not going to go there. So in verse 3 it says, Moses was, a, was very meek. You know, um, Moses was so busy trying to lead God's people that he, didn't, he paid no mind to, to Miriam and Aaron. Which I'm pretty sure they, they, they probably had, had done this before. It had, it had started manifesting. Because you know stuff like that don't just come out. It's been brewing. It kinda like, it's kind of like leprosy. It takes it a while before it comes out of your mouth. You know, it, 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 it takes it a while before it turns your heart. Because once it turns your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. So once it's turned your heart, so see, Miriam had been thinking about this for a while before it actually, before she actually voiced it. You know, so don't don't allow um, things in your life to become dead. You'll be wondering why this is not working, why that is not working, because we used to have that saying, "You ate pastor, you eating pastor." You, you can't talk about your pastor and expect to prosper. You just can't. You just can't. So um, I'm just going to read this to you because I'm running out of time. So Deuteronomy, write this down. Deuteronomy number uh, chapter nine, verses 13, 13 through eighteen. Furthermore, the Lord said to me, "I have seen this people. Indeed, they are stiff-necked, stubborn, obstinate people. Let me alone, so that I may destroy them." This is God talking about, showing an example of Moses' meekness. He said, let me alone so that I may destroy them and wipe out their names from under heaven. That's deep. And I will make of you a nation mightier and greater greater than they. If you remember, you know what? Moses was God's man because every time God got mad at Israel, Moses stood in the gap. Every time Moses got mad at Israel... (laughs) God stood in the gap for Israel. You know, Israel was a mess. But no different than us. We're a mess. We're a mess. Especially women. We heard that, we've heard that a long time. Especially women. Because we have that influencer in us. We, we try to influence people to do what we want them to do. And you should be using your powers for good and not evil. 
as a woman, you should be using your power for good and not for evil. Because when you influence somebody to do what does not say the Lord, that's evil. When you talk about your pastor, that's evil. Especially if you have children in the house. Because whatever you're eating, they're going to eat of it. Whatever you eat, they're going to eat of it. So you're raising rebellious children. And and know of a certainty. If they're going to rebel against their pastor, they're going to rebel against you. They're going to rebel against you because that's what you're teaching them. You're teaching them what rebellion is okay. That's what you're teaching them. Well, it's okay to talk about Sister Hill. She didn't do this. She didn't do that. I don't like her. She don't come back when we have a birthday party. You will be all right. You got some cake? You'll be all right. You didn't get some cake? You'll be all right. But you don't teach your children. And I was telling somebody I know, um, I had bought my daughter this cute little blouse. I thought it was cute. She thought it was cute. So she, she wore it to church. So when we got home, she said, Mom, Pastor Hill said, he didn't like this blouse I was wearing. And I said, well, did he say what was wrong with it? He said, no. She said, no, he didn't say what was wrong with it. So what should I do? I said, you should take it off and put it in the trash. <laughs> she said, but mom, you just bought it. I said, well, Aaron, let me explain it to you this way. Pastor Hill is a man. He has an oversight. This is what I told my child. I said, he's a man and he has oversight. I'm going to have to eat that. I said, because as a man, he saw something wrong with it that I didn't. And if he saw something wrong with it, something's wrong with it. Whether I see it or not, he had, he, you know, if he saw something wrong with it as a man and as your pastor, then we don't even want to give it away. We're going to just have to eat that. She said, okay. I said, yeah, we'll have to get you another shirt because that one's going in the trash. And I said, bring it to me and let me put it in the trash because you may try to hide it. And I'm not having that. So, where God's honor was concerned, no man was more zealous, more fervent, more eager uh, than Moses. When Moses' honor was touched, there was no man more meeker. Moses was as bold as a lion for the causes of God, but he was as mild as a lamb for his own. He would tear you up about his God, but he would let you talk to, talk about him. What, was that not our founding pastor? Was that not our founding pastor? That just, that just does something for me. The Lord spoke, so verse 4, it says, The Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, Aaron, and, and let, me get to my, let me get on down here. So the one thing I want to I point out is that in this this. This passage, verse 4, uh, at this point, God himself intervened and took up the defense of Moses, his servant. You know what? He told Miriam, you know what? He, God says, you know what? He knows you have, pas- you have passions. But he says, remember, we were told in, in um, what's that scripture? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to get this, got to get this. Give me one minute. Come on. Let me find this scripture. Because I'm running out of time. Okay. In in Second Peter, write that down. Second Peter, chapter two and chapter ten. It's talk about your lust being corrupt. That word lust is another word for passions. 
Remember we were told, lust can be good or bad. Your passions can be good or bad. It's what you do with it that makes it good or bad. It's what you do with your passions that make it good or bad. So you should be, you should be very careful how you speak about dignitaries, about preachers in general, and especially about your pastor, your gift. How you talk about your gift? I don't like that one. I want another one. Well, you ain't going to get one. You're not going to get one. She, like, like Minister Hayson said on Sunday, she's what we need for this time. She's what we need for this time. Because remember, she was in the sacrifice with him. So the next thing I want to get to, because my time is running out, is the part where um, verse 5, 6, 7, and 8, we're going to cover all of them together. Because God told them, were you not careful to talk about my man? He said, I, I talk face to face with Moses. You know, I talk to y'all in dreams, in parables, through other people. But I talk to Moses face to face. And then you'll see, because I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to rattle this off to y'all real good. Because this is the part that got me is that, oh shoot, I can't go on a minute. Verse 13 and 14. Write that down. When, because see, when, when Aaron turned around and, 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 and Miriam was white, Miriam, it didn't say Miriam said anything. Aaron started begging. Oh Lord, now Moses is Lord. Can you please beseech you? Don't, you know, don't make her as a dead person that comes out of, you know, all of that good stuff. And what did Moses do? He fell on his face. For Aaron and Miriam. He could have said, now, y'all getting what you deserve. Talking about me behind my back. But if you notice, Moses never, this whole time, he never defended himself. He never asked God to defend him. God heard Miriam and Aaron talking about Moses. Moses didn't say, God, you hear them talking about me? God heard Miriam and Aaron. And see, the thing about it was, Aaron was used to practicing the presence of God. As the high priest. But this, pre- this time God showed his presence. It was for a totally different reason. It wasn't for you to tell the people. This was for judgment. When he showed himself to Aaron and Miriam. But what did, the, what, did the, what, what, what did Moses do? The one you were talking about. The one you're talking about. What does she do? Remember Mr. Hayson said on Sunday. That uh, she may be what you need. All your stuff going to come through her. While you sitting around talking about her, she on her face praying for you. She don't even know you're talking about her, but she on her face praying for you. Her and her family on her face praying for you. While you talking about the ministers, God's laying you up. Because God's trying to keep somebody in the gap for your tail so you don't come up leprous. You're going to be a walking dead. So God's laying you on somebody else hard to pray for you while you sitting up there eating pastor. How, 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 if you had learned nothing else, if you've been here and you learned nothing else from our founding pastor, you know their heart is toward you. You know their heart is toward you. 30 years without pay? I'm not going to work 30 minutes without a paycheck on that job. 
I'm just not. I'm not working on no job. I remember when I worked for, I'm not going to say their name, but I had all this, this leave, and for some reason they took money out of my check. I wrote that later, nice letter, and I told her penny for penny what I could do with the money she took out of my check, and I wanted my money back. I want you to take some leave and not my money. For 30 years, can you imagine? Our pastor depended on God for 30 plus years. He didn't ask us for one, not a thin dime. He didn't ask us for one copper penny. In 30 years. What faith is that? So you can't tell me her faith is not as just as strong when she was in the sacrifice wedding. So that when the mantle passed from Pastor Forest Hill to Pastor I- Alva Hill to Pastor Isaac Hill, that sacrifice is still there. Because that's all she knows. That's all she knows, people. So if you get nothing out of this message tonight... When, when the devil comes talking to you about leadership at this ministry, fall on your knees and pray for him. Fall on your knees and pray for him. Because I promise you, you fall on your knees and pray for him. I'm telling you, God placed you here for a reason. One last scripture. Turn to Isaiah chapter 54. Won't he do it? The devil thought my printer wasn't going to act right. That's fine. I don't need no stinking printer. I got to go to the library. Isaiah 54. Make y'all laugh as Wednesday night. Come on now. Verse 17. This is the one thing been in this whole message for my, for my pastor. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that, rise, that shall rise up against thee in the judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, said the Lord. I'm going to read it to you like this. No weapon that is formed against you will succeed. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you will condemn. This peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. That's her heritage because of her thankfulness, because of her righteousness, because she stood through all these years. This is their vindication from me, says the Lord. She don't have to try and vindicate herself. God got her. Because she's too busy trying to do what thus says the Lord. You're the one sitting around doing nothing. Pick up a brick. Pick up a brick. Learn some masonry. I love to see them throw them wrecks on the wall and throw that stuff on and sleep, scrap it up. Pick up a brick. And I promise you, you won't have time to talk about nobody. You'll be too busy trying to help build a wall. You'll be too, too busy to help build a wall. God will vindicate His servants, those that are righteous. Our pastor and his whole family has been found righteous. They've been found righteous. She's been in a sacrifice with him. There's no way she couldn't have. There's no way... In 30 years, that she could have stayed, no paycheck, no dealing with people that make you want to get a soap and a sock. Some of y'all, she, y'all heard her say that, but we got to say it because, you know, in prison, they'll beat you with a, put some soap in a sock and beat you because it don't show, it don't show bruises. 
I learned that from a prisoner. It don't show bruises. So when you come in here sore, we'll know you got beat with a soap and a sock. So let me tell you this in my last few seconds. You know what? You say you have those of you that are in here. Because you know the Wednesday night crowd, the Sunday night crowd, it's a whole different crowd. It's people that hopefully are serious about the things of God. So you say you have a relationship with God. You say you trust God. So if you have a relationship with God and you trust God, trust God. Because no matter what you think or what you say, God knows what he's doing. You may not know what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. Since September the 1, actually before the foundations of the world, God knew what he was doing. All of this was in his plan before the foundations of the world. But remember, God tells you on you on a need-to-know basis. You on a need-to-know basis. So what's in store for this ministry, we know right now it's about wall building. Whatever turns, whatever we need to do, it's going to come from that, that lady right there, whether you like it or not. Because in this time, in this season, God's putting it in her. God's putting everything you need in her. Everything you need in her. When you acting up, when you just acting crazy. Because see, I know when I was going through some stuff, I know my pastor was praying for me. I know my pastor was praying for me. Because I used to tell him all the time, you know what, pastor? That's probably one of the reasons why God gave him that dream. If I leave this ministry, know it's something bigger than what you taught me got me. And I'm going to need you to come get me. It's that simple. I'm going to need you to come get me. Because something bigger than what you taught me got me. And I don't know how to get out of it. But I'm telling you, everything you need is in that lady. Whether you call her Sister Hill, Pastor Hill, she stands in the gift of pastor. Brother Isaac stands in the gift, will be standing in the gift of pastor. You got to honor that. You got to honor that. It's that simple. It really is that simple. You need to pray for her. Because I'm telling you, this, this burden, I heard my pastor say, you know, when he was here, he didn't put those kind of burdens on his wife. But God put that burden on her. And if God put that burden on her, he's made her able to carry it. But we shouldn't be burdens. We shouldn't add to her burdens. Not us. And like I said, and Sunday, today, it's the leaders that's acting up. Those that should know better. She shouldn't have a problem out of leaders in here. And one more thing I need to say, because my time is up. To you uh, next generation people, God told me to tell you this. If you stand on this platform, if you stand in those aisles, and then he told me to say it like this. If you're in AMC, you are considered a leader. So this goes for you too. I don't care how mad you get at nobody in this ministry. You better keep your mouth shut. You may think, you know what, a lot of people, oh, they're young and they're immature. God killed young and immature in the Bible. When they, talk, when they mess with him, talking about that old bald-headed preacher, let him go up, God let a she-bear come out and rip them in two. God don't care about your age. You next generation, God don't care about your age. He really don't. He's teaching you so that you can help build these walls. But if you are a leader in this ministry, this applies to you. 
You better keep your mouth shut. Don't be thinking, well, I just told. No. Because God hears it. Didn't you hear Miriam? The prophetess. Didn't you hear Miriam? Didn't you hear Aaron? The high priest. Right? Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.